Thank you, worship team, and this thing has a mind of its own sometimes. God bless you all. I'm so glad that you're here, and uh, so glad if you knew that Russ was going to be gone today that you still got out anyway and came. Uh, They've asked me to do this a couple of times. I I guess that's good, but uh, it's it's my joy to share. I, I am honored to stand in this in this pulpit humble to stand here but I just trust and pray that uh, uh, that the Lord has given me a good word today that we can share together and grow in our faith um, the passage I chose to speak from this morning is from first Thessalonians 4 uh, verses 1 through 12 and I want to do it a little bit different uh, this morning I'd like for all of you to read it with me and I'm going to ask you if you would stand and read it with me and we're going to put the words on the screen. They're going to be in English and in Spanish. And um, I do not speak Spanish, but if you do, I invite you and encourage you to read the Spanish right along out loud. Let's just do the whole thing all at once, okay? It, uh, it's a beautiful mixture of sounds, and I can think of not a more appropriate sound on this Pentecost Sunday than for the word of the Lord to be proclaimed this morning in sunrise in various languages. So it's all there. Um, we'll go through slide to slide, and I'm going to step down just so I can see it too, read it with you. So let's read it together. Read with me. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. And that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins, as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other, and in fact you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more, and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, this morning we bless our pastor and his family, Lord, as they travel and as they share with their family. God, this morning we bless the other churches who meet to worship you uh, this weekend. Lord, the the Nazarenes and the Methodists and the Assemblies and the Baptists and the Church of God and the Reformed churches and all of them, Lord, we bless all who bless your name this weekend. Lord, we bless your Holy Spirit uh, poured out and given on Pentecost, Lord, that we remember this Pentecost Sunday. Lord, given to us now to help us in understanding your word. And so we pray in this time, Lord, that your word and your spirit will find fertile soil in our hearts, Lord, a good place for the seed to take root and to grow, Lord, that we might be changed and through us the world might be changed. We love you. Bless our time together, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. 
You know, the Bible uses a, a variety of metaphors, uh, of different ways to, uh, to speak about uh, the people of God um, as, as they gather uh, wherever they are. And so I just thought of a few of my favorites, uh, and there's so many, and most of these are probably ones that you already know. In John 10, 1 uh, to 15, Jesus talks about uh, the body, the people of, of God being like a flock of sheep, and he is like our shepherd, the good shepherd who, who is the gate for the sheep and lays down his life for the sheep, and the sheep know his voice, and the sheep follow his voice. Uh, the, the, the flock of sheep, that's one way to think about us as God's people. Another way uh, from John 15 is uh, where Jesus talked about um, us being the branches and that Jesus is the vine. He's the true vine. And he said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So, so we are the branches and Jesus is the vine and God is the gardener. And God is the gardener who prunes the branches sometimes so that there can be growth and there can be fruit uh, growing on the vine. Uh, another word picture for the people of God is from 1 Corinthians six nineteen to 20. And that's where... Paul wrote that we, we are like a temple of the Holy Spirit. Our body is like a temple. That means a house, a place where the very Spirit of God dwells or lives inside of us. It's another way to think about the people of God as the temple, the house of God. Also in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, it talks about us being the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ, and Christ is the head of that body, each one of us the different parts working together. That's another beautiful and wonderful picture of how, how it all fits and then in Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 17, Paul uses language talking about an army and, and soldiers. And, 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 and we move forward in battle, and so we have to put on the spiritual armor, the armor of God, uh, to win uh, the battle that we find ourselves in. That's just another way to think about ourselves as the people of, of, of God. And in the passage we read today, it talks about us being uh, brothers and sisters, about us being God's family. It's a very common way in the New Testament to speak about the people of God. And I really love this, uh, this metaphor. Matter of fact, I put a picture. There's some of the family, okay? I don't know if you see yourself up there or not. A few of us anyway. The family of God, the people of God. What a wonderful, what a beautiful way to describe what it means to be God's children. I really love this metaphor for the church, for us as God's people because I think it describes the experience of the church so well. And if you have spent any time in a church, you'll know what I'm talking about this morning. Because a, a family, family is the place that you call home, isn't it? Family is the place where you can relax, where you can, uh, you can take your shoes off, you can be yourself, where the other people know what you are really like. Uh, that's what the church should be like. That's, that's what this family experience should be like here, that we can relax and be ourselves together. Families, we also know, though, are messy, aren't they? Families have trouble. They have issues sometimes. Uh, Christy and I have kidded many, many times that one of these days we're going to write a book about all the nonsense and the crazy stuff that's happened in our families, in her family, in my family, um, in us together with just the four of us, even in our little house, all the crazy, um, messy stuff that we've been through and waited through. That happens in families, doesn't it? And so I think that's a perfect description of the church because churches, life is messy here sometimes too. We know also that a family, a family is a place of common values. It's people share the same interests, the same likes, the same things are important to them in the family. And same thing in the church. Yesterday morning, Christy and I went to see, um, uh, what was it, uh, what was the movie called? Secret Life of Pets 2, okay? Uh, she asked me, and I agreed. I knew we'd like it because we like the same things. Okay, we love animals. We loved the first movie. We'd like to see the second. So 
A family is a place of commonalities and common values. But also at the same time, a family is a place of diversity, isn't it? There, there are differences within the family. And you guys all have that. Every, every one of you here, your family has that crazy Uncle Fred or, or Aunt somebody or that cousin. I don't know who it is in your family. But there's, there's, a, there's a few people floating around there that just sometimes you just, you're surprised at what they do and how they are because they're so different. And that's the experience of the family and that's the experience of the church as well. But out of all of these things, describing the, the people of God as a family, I, I think the, the greatest part, the part that trumps them all, is that the family is a place where you are loved. That's what makes family, family. Is it's the place where you give love and you receive love. Again, you can relax in that atmosphere because you know you are loved and you are free to love. And I think that describes the, the church just beautifully. And so I want to drill down on this passage today from uh, 1 Thessalonians 4 a little bit and just see what we can expect in this family that we, that we call the church. Now Paul wrote this letter, he wrote it to the believers in Thessalonica around the year A.D. 50, or that's, that's what I was able to look up. And it was a time when these people were being pressured to conform to the, uh, to the society, the wishes of the society around them. And that's just like us, honestly, pressured to conform to what society does. You know, I'm always amazed, I'm always blessed by the way that the Word of God just speaks. It speaks right into our lives, right where we're at. Even from years ago, boom, it's still speaking to us today after all this time. And so the Thessalonians were being pressured to fit into uh, the demands of society just like we are, we find ourselves today. And I notice also in this passage that the church at Thessalonica, they had some problems, didn't they? Things weren't perfect there. Paul had to talk to them about a few things. Uh, that were going on. Uh, the ones I saw in here specifically were an issue of sexual immorality in the church. And apparently there was an issue about some nosiness or people being in other people's business. And maybe there was a little bit of laziness going on too. Those were just some of the things they dealt with. And of course we understand this because anytime people are involved in something, there's going to be problems, aren't there? That's true in a family. It's true in a church. We're not perfect. And so when people are in it, there's going to be problems. As a matter of fact, if you ever think, if you're on a quest for finding the perfect church, if you ever think you've found it, the member that you join it, you just ruined it the minute you do that because now it's not perfect no more. I promise you that. So families are not perfect. Churches are not perfect, and, and sometimes problems happen. But it's when the problem happens, see, that we see what the family is made of and what a church is made of. As a matter of fact, it's when you find yourself in trouble or problems, that's, that's the perfect time, that's a wonderful time for you to receive the family's help and support. Uh, you support others in their trouble and they support you. And that's why I think this is such a beautiful picture of the church. We all need one another's help in this family we call uh, the church. And then I notice in this passage as well, not only uh, were there problems in the church, in the family, but also this church had values, and, and uh, Paul wrote about the values. Matter of fact, um, I took a picture. That is the Sunrise family values, at least like the first half of them. Um, Pastor Russ preached on this earlier this year, and he gave us these little cards. So those are the little magnets holding them on the fridge at my house, okay? Um, that's as much as I could fit on the, the screen, but... Family values, a family has values, and a church has values, those things that we hold in common, those things that matter to us, the things that are important to each of us as a part of the family. And so the things that were valuable and good for the church at Thessalonica, they're good for our family too, this church family. There are values that we should uphold as well. 
And so the first one that Paul talked about was the value of having sexual purity. He talked about this issue with sexual immorality there in the church. And actually, the, um, the word used in the Greek for sexual immorality is, is porneia. That's, that's the root. And you can kind of see where that goes, like pornography, bad stuff, bad stuff, you, stuff you don't want to do, stuff that you should stay far away from. And the term actually means any sexual activity outside of marriage. So anything outside of the one man, the one woman together, that was considered sexual immorality. And these were the issues in the society at Thessalonica, and then sometimes creeping in to the church a little bit as well. And so sexual sin is something that we need to keep an eye on, we need to avoid, because sexual sin hurts, causes a lot of damage. It's an important value to have sexual morality because sexual sin is harmful to the family and to the church. It offends God, uh, who made us and who made us in his image and designed our bodies to be used in the way that he made them. Uh, Sexual immorality hurts other people, and it does damage to us as well. Look at this from 1 Corinthians uh, 6, 18 to 20. This is what Paul wrote about it. He said, flee from sexual immorality. In other words, run away from it, get far, far away from it. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you, whom you have received from God, you're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. There's almost no other sin that Paul talks about so, so uh, gives such a stark warning about as the sin of sexual immorality. And in Thessalonica, it was considered normal in that culture. People just slept around. They didn't care. It was kind of just the thing to do. And so that's what the believers found themselves up against, and it was pulling against them all the time. But Paul said, no, these are our values. This is what is important in the family of God. This is what matters to us, the value of sexual, uh, sexual purity and morality. Also, there was a value of holiness, uh, holiness just meaning to live like God, to become more and more like God as he made us, to live more and more without sin in our lives as we do the things that are pleasing to him. Now, in our power, that is not possible, but in the power of the Holy Spirit, it is most definitely possible, and that is what the Spirit is given for, is to to help us to live holy as God has asked us to live. God lets us do it more and more through the power of the Holy Spirit. That was an important value in the family of the church. And then there was the value of hard work. Hard work. Paul said, Paul wrote it uh, to work with your hands, but really what that means overall is just do something Whatever you are gifted or able to do, you do that. Don't just, don't just coast. Uh, don't just live off the system. If you can help it, earn your keep. Do what you can do. Keep yourself busy and use the gifts and skills that you have. Hard work was an important value, and it is an important value in the church, in the family of God. And so Paul asked the believers at Thessalonica, he urged them. He said, he said live this way, do these things more and more. Uh, this is important. It, he, he, it's almost like he begged them, come on, guys, you need to do this. Um, I love you guys. Live this way. Um, I care about you. These are the things you need to do. I remember one time, I think this was just a couple of years out of high school, and I was still living at home. You know, it felt like I was on top of the world. I was the man of the world. And so I decided in my independence as I lived under my parents' food and house and health insurance and everything that I was going to just stop obeying curfew in the house. And so I did. I just stopped, you know, if, if I was supposed to be in by midnight, I'd stay out till 1 or 2 or 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the morning. And, I, hey, I, I felt like that was my right. It was my big deal. And so um, most of the time my parents were asleep, most of the time. At least so I thought they were asleep. 
And then one night I came home and my mom was up. It was like 2 o'clock in the morning. I, I blew my curfew by two hours or so. You know, not, not just a little bit of a slip. I just purposely didn't even try. And so when I came home in the middle of the night, my mom was there and she was sitting up and waiting for me. And so she just sat down on the couch and turned the light on and she just looked me right in the eye and said, she said, son, she said, why are you doing this? You know better and you know that we love you. You know this is not the right thing to do. Uh, your dad is so, you know, he doesn't know what to do, and I don't know what to do. Wh- why? Why? Um, why, won't you, why won't you follow the, this rule that we've laid down for you? You know better. You know that we love you. And so she implored me. And as I sat there on the couch, I didn't have an answer for her. I didn't know what, what to say. But just the fact that she said, we love you, and we're doing this, you know, for your good, that's what got through to me. And so Paul implored. That's the, that's the kind of asking he said of them. Because I love you. Um, as my family in Christ, uh, uh, you need to live this way. These are good things for you to do. And so we know that when it comes to living by values in the family, that the things we do either bring honor to the family or they bring shame to the family. I'm sad to say that my choices were bringing shame to my parents. That was breaking their hearts. And so uh, my mom waited up one night, she addressed it with me, and we took care of things. I remember one time hearing a story about, I think Christy knows this story too, about a, a pastor some years ago, and the church, uh, they were playing like in a men's basketball league in town, and this pastor had some issues that were kind of hidden from his congregation, but it comes out that when he would play in like the three-on-three or five-on-five basketball team, he liked to swear at the players on the other team when he'd get a little upset with them. Now, his own church people didn't hear it, but the players on the other teams did, and it started getting back to the church, and so by his actions, he brought shame on his church, and I don't need to tell you he didn't last there for too long, but these are the kinds of things. Uh, our choices about values, they bring honor to the family or they bring shame to the family. And so Paul could say, and we can say today, that living by the values that God gives us, that is God's will for us. Paul didn't just make this stuff up in this letter. It wasn't just him thinking. That was God. That was God's will. That, that's God's word talking there. And Russ didn't just make up a list of Sunrise family values and think this sounds good for us. Those were things that by the Spirit and by the Word of God, uh, he was led to share with us and leadership of this church was led to share with us God's will for you and for me. And so it is possible to know God's will. You you can know it and I can know it. Um, The Bible tells us God's will specifically at various places. And right here in this passage, it tells us some very specific things. Uh, It is God's will for you to abstain from sexual immorality. So don't do it. He can say it very clearly and plainly to you. We don't have to be ashamed or or to beat around the bush or or try to kind of present it in a soft sort of way. God's will is for you to live sexually pure uh, without sexual immorality. A great way to do that is just be accountable. And that's what we do in a family, isn't it? Like my mom's sitting up with me at 2 o'clock in the morning. You be accountable. Let other people... um, talk to you. You talk to them when you see something that you know is out of line. Uh, Keep yourself busy. Keep yourself occupied with good things and you won't have so much time to get into the trouble. So abstain from immorality. That is God's will for us. It's also God's will that we know how to control our body, this vessel into which God's spirit has been poured. Um, uh, And it is possible. It is very possible. No excuses. Uh, No saying the devil made me do it, I couldn't help myself. Learn how to control your body. God's given you the tools that you need. It's all right here for you. The family is here to help you. Know how to control the vessel in which God's spirit lives. That is God's will for you. If you're not there yet, learn how. Take the steps. Figure it out. Do something. It's there for you. 
And then finally, it's God's will that you don't wrong others or take advantage of them. That's kind of a no-brainer, basically. But uh, these, these things are God's will for the family. These are the values of the church family. Church families have values. And also, we see in this passage that church families have a way of doing things. There are, there are instructions. There are, are, are ways to go about it. There's a manner of conduct um, in the church just like there is in a family. And Paul said in verse 11, he, he recommended that believers lead a quiet life. And he said, do that by minding your own business and staying busy. Um, uh, that's how we live a quiet life. These are uh, the way that we do things in the body of Christ. And when he said to lead a quiet life, that really means more than just uh, lack of noise, okay? I remember when our, our, we had young, young kids at home and like somebody would be crying in the night. Whoever's duty it was, the other one of us, Christy or I, would put earplugs in. And the good foam kind that you wad up and shove way down in there, keep out a lot of noise, okay? And that's how we tried to get some manner of peace and quiet. Now that the kids are out, I wish they were back. I would, I would take the noise any day. But uh, Paul's idea here is talking about a different kind of peace than uh, just a lack, or a different kind of quiet than just a lack of noise. It means an atmosphere of, of rest and of calm and of satisfaction. That's the kind of life that God wants for you, not anxious all the time, and not just a lack of noise either, but a life of quiet and of peace. Um, this is the way that things are in the family of God. Uh, and uh, The way we do that, the way we approach that, is to lead a quiet life, again, by minding your own business and by staying busy. Now, if any of you would talk to a grade school teacher, or maybe some of you are grade school teachers, any teacher will tell you that if the kids in the class are not keeping themselves busy with their hands, they tend to get themselves into trouble, don't they? Uh, that's what kids do. That's what adults do. We do the same thing. So Paul said the way that you can lead a quiet life is you keep yourself busy. Uh, mind your own business and stay busy. You do, you do these two things so that you're not getting yourself into trouble. But this doesn't mean that we don't care about each other, does it? We, we still, at times, and, and it's hard to do this, we still need to be involved. We keep an interest in the lives of one another, in the family, because we love each other. And sometimes we have to speak into the lives of one another, um, not in a nosy sort of way, but in a helpful sort of way. And we need the Spirit's help to do that. This is what Jesus wrote in what he said in uh, Matthew uh, 7, 3 to 5, um, uh, teaching uh, during the Sermon on the Mount. And he said, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, we often read that passage and we think, well, Jesus was saying, don't be in anybody's business, just mind your own. But he didn't say there, don't help anybody out at all. He said, clear up your own stuff first, make sure that your stuff is dealt with, and then help your brother or your sister, as the case may be. So sometimes we do need to help somebody else to, to be on the right path. And with God's discernment and the Holy Spirit's help, we can do that. Look at what Proverbs fourteen twelve says. It's very important. Uh, this is... Uh, a very important thing for the family to do as the family of, of Christ. It says there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. And then Jesus put it this way in, uh, in Matthew also. He said, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So you see, there is a good way. There's a better way. There is a path 
that leads to life. And good instruction, good living leads to that life. And so we need to make sure that we're on the right path. It's not always easy to do, but that's what we need each other for in this family, those who love us and care about us and will speak that truth to us. It's not always easy to do what is right, but it's necessary if you want to live. It's necessary if you want to succeed in life. I remember when, uh, I, man, this is almost about the same time when I had the issue with my curfew thing, so I, I was troubled, you guys. I'm glad I made it this far. But uh, I was in college at COS, at College of the Sequoias, and it's, they didn't even have a Tulare campus, and it was just all in Visalia. And so, uh, man, I was, I was failing out of school. I was failing. Um, an F in math, an F in chemistry, uh, a dropped class or two without telling my parents because I was scared what they were going to say. I mean, I just, I was having a tough time of it. And so I went through a semester or two of that, and I finally, I finally just had like a come to my senses moment, and I thought, I've got to do something differently, or I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it through school. And so I dropped out of band, and I, I love music. It was hard for me to do, but I dropped out of band and just focused on my studies. And I managed to get those F and D classes up to C level, which was not great, but it was enough for me to get through and then to move on and go on from there. So I had to make hard choices. It wasn't easy to do, but I knew that I had to do it if I wanted to go anywhere. And so uh, sometimes we have to make those choices, but the family is here to help us to do those things. So there is a way of doing things in the family uh, of God, in, in the family of the church. Uh, there, there's a way of conduct, and it's the way that leads to life. That's what we're trying to do here together. But then the final thing I notice in this passage is, uh, and Paul mentions it and refers to it a few times, is the love that people shared for one another. And that's the thing about the church family is that it has a love like no other, a love like you won't find in any other place. If you just want to go to a place where they say positive things and do good things, you know, join the Kiwanis or the Lions or something. Um, you can go out and do good stuff all week, have a good breakfast in the morning. That's wonderful. Probably won't have to get up as early as you do for church here. But uh, uh, if you want to come to the place where you are loved with the love of God, that's the church. Uh, that's the difference here. It's a, it's a different place because of its love. Paul called the believers at Thessalonica brothers and sisters. That, that talks of this family relationship and this love. I think it's so, it's so very appropriate to use those kind of terms. You know, Brother Jason or uh, Sister Darlene or whoever. Uh, call each other that. It's, it's totally appropriate in the family because we are a family. And that's where God has placed us. Uh, Paul called the believers at Thessalonica God's family. We are God's family. That is who we are. That is what God has called us and made us to be. The people of God's family at Thessalonica really loved one another, and that's what defined them as God's family. That's what defines us today as God's family, is the love that we share with one another. It's not the great music that we have on Sundays, and I think we have some of the best music in this city on Sunday mornings, but that's not what defines us. It might be what we're known for, but that's really not, that's really not the bottom line. It's not the great uh, children's and youth programs that we have that define us, although they are great, and uh, a VBS day camp next week is going to be stellar. I know it will be, but that in the end is not what defines us either. It's the love of the people in the church that dominates. That's what sets the tone. That's what fills and rounds everything out and holds it all together. One of the greatest acts of love that has been shown to us so far at this church was we had just started coming here, so like two and a half or three years ago. And Christy, I don't even know if you remember this, but um, Christy, Christy was sick. I think you were going to have sur an op surgery or something like that. And Wayne Fox and Aaron Martinez came to our house. Do you remember that? They like came in an, in an afternoon. 
And I, we barely knew them. They barely knew us. I'm sure it was totally awkward for them. It felt awkward for us. But those brothers came because they were elders in this church and prayed just to pray and lay hands on, on Christy and pray for her before she went for that surgery. Um, they did it because it was what the family does, because the family, in the family, you love one another. And that's the difference that I'm talking about. That's the kind of love that God's family has for one another. What, what a wonderful and beautiful thing and what a blessing to me uh, that was. I know to Christy as well. The, the church is our family and the church is our home because we love one another like family. We do it in the good times and in the bad times. That's the kind of place that this family is. That, that's our home. That's what our home is like, a place that's defined by love. And I think as far as God's family and this church family, any church really, God wants his family to be the kind of a place where everyone wants to come home to the house on the block that everybody wants to be in. And you guys know what that's like. Maybe it was your house. Maybe it still is your house. There's a house in every neighborhood where all the kids go. Back in the day, you always saw them with bicycles stacked up on the lawn. I don't know how you would notice it now with electronic games and such, but uh, every neighborhood has a house where all the kids want to go. And maybe it's because the mom in that house cooks good food. I don't know. Um, It's probably more likely the atmosphere in that house and the fact that there's love and acceptance in that place. And I think that's what God wants his family of love to be like, the place where everybody sees that love and they want to come in and they want to come and be a part of that family, whatever it takes to be a part. Now, some of you here this morning, I, I don't think you've experienced that yet. It's like you've, you've driven past the house, but you've never come in the door. You've never made it that far to the family yet. And you've probably heard that old joke that just, uh, just because you go to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in a garage makes you a car. I know you guys have heard that before, and it's true. Um, just to be in the building doesn't make somebody a, a follower of Christ. There's more that has to happen, and that's becoming a part of the family. And so some of you, maybe you've driven past the house. You've never quite been inside the house and got that close to the family. Some of you, maybe you've actually made it to the front porch before, and you've taken a peek inside the window, and that's as far as you've gotten. You've seen a little bit what the family does, how they live, how they relate to one another, but you haven't really got close in with them uh, yet. And then maybe some of you, you've actually come inside. Maybe some of you have came in and sat down for a meal with the family. You've shared with them a little bit. But, but you've just had some glimpses of that, and then you've walked away. Maybe you need to sit down um, for every meal and, and be that committed part of the family, uh, of the body, uh, of the, the church family, God's people, uh, the church. Maybe some of you, maybe it's time to step up and help out to fix dinner. Maybe you need to, like, go out and mow the lawn with Dad or, uh, or help the kids with their homework. I don't know. I'm just making this stuff up. But you guys, you guys get my point. Uh, what I'm saying is, what I mean is that it's time for us to do in God's family what God has designed the family to do. It's when we step up and we do these things that the love is experienced and that the family grows Maybe this morning it's time for you to get yourself into relationship in the family so that you can speak truth to some, some others and so that they can speak truth into your life because that's where you're going to get that kind of truth spoken in love, um, spoken to help keep you, to get you on the path that leads to life, that leads to good things. God's family has this love, and it's a love like no other. And so this morning I just ask you, I, I encourage um, as Paul did in his word, to, uh, to open yourself to that love, to open yourself to the family, to come home to embrace the family, to give the life and to receive the life that it has for you. Would you stand? God, what a great gift you've given us in your family, in the church. Um, what a blessed place to call home. 
And Lord, sometimes it is messy. Sometimes things get hard here. But God, this home is where you want us to be. It's where you've called us to be. God, you made a place for us. It's for our benefit. It's for our blessing. And so we pray today that you will fill us with your spirit, Lord, that you will lead us on the path to life. And that, God, as we walk that road, that uh, we'll find some other people to bring along with us. God, others who need the life, the love uh, that you have to share with them through us. Uh, Bless us in these closing moments, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, as we sing the closing song, uh, it's a time, obviously, to sing, but also a time uh, for you to pray, and I encourage you to do that. You can pray about anything this morning. Uh, If you have never trusted Jesus Christ for eternal life, uh, why put it off another day? Don't don't roll the dice. Make the decision today or talk to somebody about it and and take those steps. Maybe this morning it's time for you to really to come home to God's family. Maybe it's time for you to come in, to fully enter into the family and the fellowship, to give and to receive. You can pray about that today. Maybe you have a need, somebody on your heart, a, a physical need, somebody who you love or care about. Uh, you can lift that to the Lord. Uh, pray about that. Maybe you just want to give him thanks for his goodness, for what he's doing in your life. Any of these things. Uh, you can pray right there in your seat as, as we sing. You can stand, you can sit, you can kneel. Um, if you need somebody to hear you, maybe to guide you along the way, you can go on the back or on that side. And uh, Cody's back there, and there are others as well who will, who will pray with you, who will lift your heart to heaven and lift your need and, uh, and support you in the route. But uh, whatever it is, if the Spirit is speaking to you this morning, why don't you respond? Uh, don't, uh, don't delay. Don't put it off. Uh, give God uh, glory. Uh, take him your needs. Let him uh, uh, pour his love into your heart through the Holy Spirit this morning. God bless you as we sing and pray together.